So this is kind of strange. Halloween comes but once a year, and with it, fun festivities. But many of them come from spooky origins that you might not be aware of. Weird, right? Or maybe not. What do you think? Kind of strange? Or not at all? Hello, and welcome to Kind of Strange. I'm your host, Grace, and this is a place where you can get cozy, a little creeped out, and talk with me about things that are weird, unusual, spooky, and kind of strange. "'Twas the night before Halloween, when all through the shadows, every creature was stirring to prepare for All Hallows. The pumpkins were carved in the windows with care. Witches on broomsticks flew high in the air. On the last night of October, the moon silver and pale, ghosts whispered to black cats as they flicked their tails. Sweet sugared treats sat wrapped in their foils. Monsters walked gently to admire their toils. Spiders spun black silk, and cauldrons they bubbled. Dark winds blew freely, goblins no longer troubled. Werewolves they howled, and ghouls roamed without fear. Until midnight said softly, I'll see you next year. Welcome back to Kind of Strange. With Halloween right around the corner, I wanted to do an episode dedicated to all things Halloween. Halloween is my personal favorite holiday, so today I'm going to be sharing a little bit about the history of Halloween, some old traditions, and a few spooky things to get you in the mood for next Tuesday. So today most of us, at least with what I'm familiar with in America, recognize Halloween as a time to put on a costume and celebrate with family or friends. On October 31st, many people go to parties, decorate with pumpkins and ghosts, or go door-to-door saying trick-or-treat and getting candy. Some believe that Halloween is the time when the veil between the living and the dead is the thinnest, therefore making it so communication between the two is said to be easier. But I would say for the most part, Halloween is a holiday where you can be someone else for a little bit and eat some candy. But let's get into where Halloween came from, because the origins and the history of Halloween is quite interesting and, of course, a bit spooky, because it has to be. We're talking about Halloween here. (laughs) It's said that the holiday originated with the ancient Celtic festival of Samhain. The Celts were a collection of tribes that originated in Central Europe. They were separate tribes, but their cultures and religious beliefs tended to be pretty similar. They lived around 2,000 years ago, and this was mostly in what is now Ireland, northern France, and the UK. So the Celts celebrated four fire festivals a year, Imbolc, Beltane, Lunasa, and Samhain, and Samhain was the most significant one. Each of them celebrated the time around a new season, and Samhain was celebrated over a three-day period around the end of October, beginning of November. This was celebrated when summer was over and the harvest was ending, winter was getting ready to set in, the nights were darker, the air filled with a crisp chill. Samhain was observed as the Celtic New Year, and the Celts believed that on the evening before the New Year began, the boundary between the living and dead was blurred. They believed that ghosts had the ability to walk the earth, and the festival of Samhain typically included a bonfire, 
and this was used as a way to ward off ghosts. So they thought that ghosts and spirits caused trouble with supernatural tricks, and they also thought that they were responsible for damaging crops. But at the same time, they believed that their presence made it easier for priests and druids, who were high-ranking members of the priestly class, to make predictions. So these predictions were seen as prophecies, and they were often used as a tactic to survive the long, dark winter ahead, and they were kind of a comfort for people because they didn't know what to expect, and it was a way not to worry as much. So for this festival, they would build large bonfires, and they would burn crops and even animals as a sacrifice to the Celtic deities. The Celts believed in many gods, not just one, and they would do these sacrifices as a way to have a good winter, you know, not experience as much loss, hopefully no loss, and be able to have enough food. And while they had these bonfires and did these sacrifices, they would typically wear costumes. A lot of times these costumes would be animal heads, animal skins, and this was done as a belief that the fairies would not be able to kidnap them. So they did have a lot of superstitious, supernatural beliefs, and one of them is that the fairies would be able to kidnap them, kidnap their souls, and so they wore these costumes as a way to ward that off from happening. They wanted to be scary, and they thought that if they wore these scary costumes, it would scare away the fairies and whatever other supernatural entities that might be a threat. So they would have these celebrations, these sacrifices, and at the same time, they would be trying to predict the future. After the celebration, when the fire had died down, they would actually relight the fire as a way to protect them from the coming winter, because winter, it was harsh, it was scary, so a lot of this was done in preparation in order to be able to deal with winter and survive it. You know, like in Game of Thrones, winter is coming. Uh, <laughs> winter is coming, so they had to get ready for it, and there was fear surrounding that season. Eventually, the Roman Empire conquered a large part of the Celtic territory, and over the 400 years that they spent ruling over Celtic lands, Samhain actually continued, though it was celebrated alongside of other traditions as well. So traditions were being combined, they were coming together. One of them was Feralia. The other was a day to honor Pomona, the Roman goddess of fruit, and a symbol of Pomona is an apple, and as you'll see, apples have played a big part in Halloween celebrations. I know it's not quite as popular anymore, but of course there are caramel apples and things along those lines that are still popular to this day. But this is one of the reasons why it's thought that apples played a big part in Halloween celebrations, you know, bobbing for apples, things along those lines. Eventually, Christianity started to blend with old Celtic traditions, and the church made November 2nd All Souls Day, which is a day to honor the dead. It's actually thought that the church did this as an attempt to replace the Celtic festival of Samhain, because the two celebrations were quite similar, and the church at the time was doing this with other celebrations and holidays as well, replacing them with their celebrations instead. For All Souls Day, people had big bonfires and dressed up again in costumes, so very similar. Usually they dressed as angels and saints, or even sometimes as devils. It was celebrated the night before All Souls Day, so that would have been November 1st. And then the night before November 1st, October 31st, was called All Hallows' Eve, and then eventually became known as Halloween. Halloween took some time coming to America, it was lightly celebrated in colonial America, though not so much in New England because they were quite strict religiously, so they didn't really have many celebrations happening. 
but it was celebrated in Maryland and other colonies in the South. Different traditions and cultural customs blended between the indigenous people and European groups, and there were some public celebrations held when people would share stories of the dead, attempt to tell each other's fortunes, sing, dance, and of course, celebrate the harvest. A lot of times, too, included with these celebrations was telling ghost stories and even partaking in some mischief. So there was some Halloween celebrating going on in colonial times. I don't think it was associated with the name Halloween, but there was celebration around the same general time, and it was kind of similar to what goes on today. I mean, kind of. (laughs) By the 19th century, it was common to celebrate autumnal festivities, but Halloween was only just starting to become a celebration. The second half of the 19th century is when many people started to immigrate to America, So this included people from Ireland, and it was during this time that Halloween really started to become more popular. A lot of traditions were blending together, people were learning from each other, and people started to dress up on Halloween. They would go from house to house, asking for food or money, and this began the custom of trick-or-treating that we're familiar with today. For a while, mischief was the primary focus, and because of this, after some time, towns started trying to come up with ways to have more positive Halloween celebrations so that pranks would decrease and people could celebrate and have fun enjoying seasonal food, games, and costumes. So trick-or-treating became more popular, having Halloween parties, town-wide celebrations, parades. And today, I would say Halloween is more popular than ever, with haunted houses, special events, month-long celebrations, and an obsession with pumpkin spice, fall and Halloween is an incredibly popular and profitable time of year. Samhain is still celebrated by many today. It's quite popular in the Wiccan religion, and for Samhain, many people bake loaves of a special bread. And with the Wiccan religion, it's common to have an altar that is used for religious practices. And for Samhain, or Halloween, they will put the bread on the altar or other offerings of food, flowers, other types of things as a way to feed visiting spirits. Some will cast a circle for visiting deceased relatives or loved ones. They'll share stories. It's known as a time of reflection, transformation, and it's also a reminder of the eternal bond with people's heritage, with ancestors. Nature is also honored around this time. It's a peaceful celebration, and I think sometimes it does get a bad name, but it is a peaceful and reflective celebration. So let's talk about some of the Halloween traditions that we celebrate today and where they came from. So I talked a little bit about trick-or-treating, but it's thought that this began in medieval times when one night of the year, people would dress in costumes in Scotland and Ireland, and then they would go door-to-door looking for food or money, and in exchange for this, they would do something like perform a song, dance, recite a poem, or they'd have some other trick up their sleeve in order to get a treat. (laughs) This started to be celebrated in America. People would go door-to-door, and a lot of times they would be given a sugary treat, not candy, but sugared nuts, or they'd be given a toy, something along those lines. Sometimes they would give out fruits or cakes, but then World War II happened, and there were rations, especially on things that contained sugar. You know, sugar was rationed, so there wasn't a lot of sugary treats to give out. Now, when this ended and sugar was back in action, it started to become popular to advertise candy for Halloween, and this started to kick off the commercialization of Halloween, the obsession with Halloween candy, 
And now trick-or-treating really is about going door-to-door to get candy more than anything else. I know some people give out other things, of course, but candy really is the number one thing that is given out on Halloween and that is given for trick-or-treating. The next is bobbing for apples, which I kind of already talked about, but there were a lot of traditions surrounding apples when it came to Halloween. The Romans actually thought that the first person to catch an apple, I believe it was thrown, would be the first to marry in the new year. And then other traditions that happened over the years included peeling an apple. So somebody would peel an apple and it had to be in one long unbroken piece. Then that person would be spun around and then they would look at the apple peel on the ground and try to determine what letter it was in the shape of. And whatever letter that they thought the apple peel was in the shape of was supposed to be the first letter of the name of their future lover, their future spouse. Placing slices of apples underneath one's pillow was supposed to give somebody a dream, predicting their future lover again, their future spouse. So apples are very commonly used, and that is why there is that tradition today. I mean, I know bobbing for apples is not popular anymore because it's disgusting. (laughs) But I do think people do apples on a string, things along those lines. So I do think apples are somehow included a little bit in Halloween celebrations today. Again, caramel apples are pretty popular caramel apple flavored treats, candied apples, but I don't think it's quite as popular as it once was because it's just, it's not hygienic to all be dunking your faces into a big thing of water and trying to eat an apple. (laughs) Some other common associations with Halloween include things like bats, and bats are associated with Halloween, it's thought, because these big bonfires that people would have for these Samhain festivals or just Halloween-related festivals, you know, All Souls Day festivals, they would attract insects, and insects attracted bats. So oftentimes when these bonfires were happening, there was a lot of bats flying in the air around them, so bats started to become associated with Halloween. Spiders became associated with Halloween. And part of this comes from a medieval superstition that said if you saw a spider on Halloween, it was actually the spirit of a dead loved one watching you. Another reason that spiders became associated is because they were associated with witches, and they were supposed to be helpers of witches. You know, they would help witches cast spells. And it was said that if a witch put a black spider between two slices of bread and ate it, it would give that witch great power. Ghosts are associated with Halloween. And a lot of ghost depictions today is that ghost-like object where somebody's covered in a white sheet. And that's kind of how the image is today. And this is actually because for a long time, when artists were trying to depict ghosts, they would often draw them or paint them to look like a person. But people couldn't tell the difference with these artistic drawings, paintings, whatever it was. They couldn't tell the difference between the living and the dead. So during the 19th and 20th centuries, Artists started indicating ghosts by covering them in burial shrouds, which looked a lot like modern-day bedsheets, and because of that, ghosts started to be associated with that look of a ghost being covered in a white sheet. The colors orange and black are associated with Halloween, and that is because orange signifies the harvest of autumn, and black is the symbol of darkness, so it's a reminder that Halloween was once a festival that really focused on the boundaries between life and death. And finally, we have jack-o'-lanterns, which are very popular. It's popular to buy pumpkins. Pumpkins are all over the place this time of year. People carve them, they paint them, but why? 
This idea actually originated in Ireland. So people would actually carve turnips, potatoes, or beets, and then they would put, you know, a light inside of them, and they would try to carve them to look like frightening things because they thought it was a way to scare away unwelcomed spirits and to welcome loved ones instead. So that was kind of how that started. But the pumpkin side of it didn't really become a thing until this tradition came to America. And then people found that it was easier to carve them into pumpkins. I believe they lasted longer. So that started the tradition of the jack-o'-lantern. Now, there is a story that goes along with the jack-o'-lantern, and I'm going to share it now. So there was a man named Jack, but he actually had a nickname, and he was called Stingy Jack. And that was because he was, in fact, stingy. So one night, he actually invited the devil to have a drink with him. And when they were finished their drinks, he didn't want to pay for his. Surprise, surprise. (laughs) So he told the devil to pay, and he ended up telling the devil to turn into a coin so that he could use that coin to pay for the drinks. For some reason, the devil did this, and Stingy Jack decided to keep that coin, and he put it into his pocket alongside of a silver cross because he didn't want the coin to turn back into the devil. Eventually he freed him, but only with the understanding that the devil would not bother him for at least one year. And if he should die during this year, the devil agreed that he would not claim his soul. So a year went by and the devil was freed, but Stingy Jack tricked him again. This time he told him to climb into a tree and pick a piece of fruit. Again, for some reason, the devil did this, but when he did, Stingy Jack carved a cross into the tree so that the devil couldn't come down. And while he was up there, Stingy Jack made him promise that he wouldn't bother him for ten more years. I don't know why he didn't just have him agree to not bother him for good, but this time it was ten more years. Now before that ten years was up, Stingy Jack passed away. And because of his character, he was supposedly not allowed into heaven. Now the devil wouldn't allow him into hell, because he had told him that he wouldn't claim his soul, and he wanted to stick to his word. So instead, He sent Stingy Jack into the dark night with only burning coal to light his way. Stingy Jack put the coal into a carved turnip, and it is said that he's been roaming the earth ever since. And soon, the folklore of his ghostly figure was referred to by Irish legend as Jack of the Lantern. So before Halloween is what it is today, it was actually very popular for Halloween to have a primary focus on love. And I'm going to share some of the traditions and games people used to play, a lot of them divination games, in order to predict their future spouses, their future lovers, because a lot of them are pretty interesting and not something that is commonly done today. Originating with the Celts, the Scottish would choose a hazelnut for each of their love interests, so apparently they would have more than one, and they would toss them into the fire on Halloween. If the nut burned to ashes instead of popping, that would indicate that whoever that person was they should marry. There were chestnut hunts done at Halloween gatherings, so the first person to find one would be said to be the next person to get married. Sometimes Halloween was referred to as Nutcrack Night, which I thought was interesting because I think of the Nutcracker, which is associated with Christmas now, and I had never known that, so I wanted to share. Walnuts were used as party favors, so they were pulled in half, and then there was a little treasure that would be put inside, and they'd be put back together and handed out as a favor. Some people used this as a divination thing, a way to tell fortunes, and they would put something inside of the walnut that would be a symbol of what was to come. You know, future marriage, wealth. And another way this was used is if 
one person and another had matching treasures inside their walnut, that would mean that they were meant to be married. An old Halloween tradition in Scotland was that a woman was to eat a dessert of sugary walnuts, hazelnuts, and nutmeg before going to sleep on Halloween, and then she would dream of, what else? (laughs) Her future husband. So those are some nut-associated love games that were played on Halloween, but there were other ones as well, and I say games, but these actually were played with the intention to actually find out who somebody's future lover would be, so... Sometimes they would do this thing where they would fill bowls. One would be filled with clean water, one with dirty water, and sometimes there would be a third bowl added and this one would just be empty. So a person would be blindfolded and then they would put their fingers into one of the bowls. Now, if they put their fingers into the bowl with the clean water, that meant that their future spouse, or maybe their current spouse, was clean, was pure, and faithful. If they put their finger into the dirty water, however, that meant that their lover was not pure, and it also could have meant that they would be marrying a widow or a widower. So, if this was used when somebody was already married, I could see how that would be awkward. Now, the third bowl that was empty, if somebody put their fingers into that, that would mean that they would not get married or that they would not be getting married for quite some time. Another thing that was done is sometimes cakes were baked, and inside of the cake, there would be an object put whether that be a key, a ring, a coin, or a thimble, or sometimes all of them. And each of them would symbolize something different. So the key would mean travel, the coin would be wealth, the ring would be for marriage, and the thimble for sisterhood. So they'd cut up the cake and serve it, and if somebody got any of that in their slice of cake, then that would be kind of like their fortune. In Ireland, jewelry was actually hidden inside of potatoes, so somebody would make a potato dish, like say mashed potatoes, and there would be a ring hidden inside of it. Whoever was served that ring or whoever found it would be the next person to find true love. And I know we already talked about apples, but this tradition involves an apple as well as a mirror, a knife, and a candle. So somebody would sit in front of a mirror on midnight on Halloween, and they would have their candle, knife, and apple. They would cut the apple into nine pieces with that knife, and then they would eat all but one slice, and they would do this while looking into the mirror, and it was said that their future spouse would appear in the mirror to eat the last slice. I don't know if this worked, but it was done. Going along with mirrors, this was actually a popular one, and it was done in several different ways, but another way that people used mirrors to predict their future love lives was to take a mirror and walk down the cellar steps backwards or just any staircase backwards as they looked into the mirror, and as they walked down the steps, they were told to say, whoever my true love is to be, come and look in this glass with me. And then it was said that a face would appear in the mirror looking over their shoulder, and that face would be their future spouse. Kind of creepy, though, if you think about it, and also a bit dangerous to be walking backwards down the steps while looking into a mirror. It was said that some people fell and got hurt while doing this, but it was a common tradition. However, with this already spooky game tradition, whatever you want to call it, You might not see the face of your future spouse. You might actually see a coffin instead. And if that's the case, then that means you're going to die, which (laughs) I don't know. I just, (laughs) obviously you'll die before you get married. But yeah, that's just, that's a little much for me. I don't think I would be doing that one. And one last one, and there's a lot of them, honestly. There's more than just this, but it was said to get a ball of blue yarn and then throw it out the window on Halloween night and then whoever did this would hold on to it, and when they felt a tug, they were supposed to ask who holds it, you know, who's holding the other end of the yarn. 
and supposedly their future lover would answer, which to me, (laughs) that sounds scary. Like, I don't think I'd want to do that, but I don't know. People did it, and I don't know if it actually predicted their future lovers, but again, a lot of the fun around Halloween was divination to predict, you know, what was coming in the future, which does relate back to Samhain festivals, and also to predict future lovers. There was a big obsession with love and how Halloween could help somebody know what was going to happen in their love life in the coming years, days, weeks, whatever. Okay, so now I wanted to just answer a few questions that I found online from Halloween quizzes to kind of let you guys get to know me a little bit better, get a little bit more personal here on the podcast. So I have a few questions written down that I'm going to answer. I quickly wrote them down, so I don't really remember what they said, but let's just go through them and answer them yourselves as well. And definitely feel free to think of your own answers as well. Share them with me if you'd like. I would love to hear them. But the first question is, if you lived in a Halloween movie, what would it be? I had to think about this for a second, and I think my answer technically qualifies as a Halloween movie, but I would pick Practical Magic. And just because if you've ever seen the movie, the house they live in is so beautiful, and just the vibes and everything, I would have to pick that movie. There is magic, and obviously some of it is a bit dark. I wouldn't really want to deal with that part of it, but just, you know, the sisterhood and everything in that movie, I think that's the one I would pick. Favorite Halloween candy? Hmm. I think I would pick sour watermelon. You know, I really like those. Those are really good. Favorite Halloween tradition? Like I said, I love Halloween. I love to decorate for Halloween. And one of my favorite things to do more recently is on Halloween night, when it's just me awake, is to go around and film all the Halloween decorations in the night, you know, the orange lights glowing and everything, before I will eventually take them down probably like a day or two later and then start throwing up Christmas decorations because (laughs) it's never too early. Um... But yeah, I do. I love decorating for Halloween. That's probably my favorite part of it. And I like to watch spooky things and read ghost stories, stuff like that. Would you spend a night in a haunted house? Um, like a real haunted house? Probably. (laughs) It depends. Like if I was with another person, yes, I probably would. If I was by myself, I don't, I don't think so. Depends what the history was of the haunted house and what its current state was. You know, if it was like run down and nobody was ever in there, no, I don't think so. But if this was like a house that had been converted into an inn or a hotel or something, then yes, definitely. But I feel like it'd be a real risk to just be staying in a random abandoned haunted house with some really dark history just by myself, and I just don't think I would do that. Do I prefer gore or thrillers? Definitely thrillers. I like mystery and suspense much more than I like gore. I don't actually like gore. Like, I'll watch it if I have to, or read about it, I guess, but it's definitely not something that I seek out, and I much prefer, like, a really good mystery or really good suspense. Have I ever made a potion? Most definitely. I can still remember when I was in first grade making potions with my best friend. We would, like, put green food coloring in water and run down the hill behind our school at recess time and throw them into the woods. (laughs) I don't even remember what our intentions were, but I remember that I thought it was very magical. So yes, definitely done that and have made other potions since. You're home alone and hear footsteps in the house. What do you do? (laughs) Um, freak out? No, I don't know. It depends. Like, 
are they obvious footsteps or are they like just the faint sound of a footstep? Because I definitely hear little sounds and stuff all the time and I'm usually just like, I listen and then nothing else happens. But if I heard real footsteps happening and I knew it was footsteps and I knew it was just me at home, I would leave the house. Like, am I downstairs? Can I leave? <laughs> and I would immediately make a phone call, I'd get in my car and I'd drive away. I would not stick around to investigate you know, not inside the house. I would definitely get outside of the house and into my car and then figure out a way to investigate it from there. If I had to be trapped in a scary movie, which one would I be trapped in? None of them? Oof, this is tough. Like, I really wouldn't want to be trapped in any of them. I definitely wouldn't pick one like Halloween, where there's, you know, a masked murderer running around killing people. Definitely not Nightmare on Elm Street. That's just creepy. Definitely not the Saw movies. <laughs> this is hard. Oh my gosh, I don't know. I, w I don't want to pick any of them. So I just rewatched The Conjuring the other day, and I hadn't seen it in a while. So I think I would pick that one, which sounds ridiculous, but at least there would be the comfort of knowing that, you know, the Warrens would be there, and they would be able to help me out if something was going on, and I'd be curious to meet them. I have a lot of curiosity about that couple in general, um, Ed and Lorraine Warren, who were a real-life couple that investigated paranormal happenings and helped people that were dealing with paranormal experiences. Yeah, my curiosity is piqued about them, and I definitely want to do an episode and look into all of that, because I want to know, like, what's true and what isn't when it comes to them. So I think I would pick that movie, though, because, I don't know, it just doesn't seem as scary as other movies. And again, there's someone there to, like, help me out. You can only wear one Halloween costume for the rest of your life. I would have to choose a witch. I've been a witch so many times. I like to do, like, different variations of witch costumes, but yeah, I would definitely choose a witch. Do you like candy corn? Yes. I don't like quite understand the hatred for it, but I guess I kind of do. It's definitely a weird candy, but I don't hate it. I would say I like it. Okay, so that was a little bit of a Halloween, you know, about me, I guess, <laughs> just so you can get to know me a little bit better, or at least know me on a Halloween level. I'm going to be sharing at least one more Halloween-related episode of this podcast before Halloween time, so look out for that. But now let's get into some Did You Did Know? You know? which is when I share facts that didn't make it into the episode that are related to Halloween in this case. 1. The most watched Halloween movie is, can you guess? Hocus Pocus. That does not surprise me at all. I feel like that movie becomes more popular every year. <laughs> and the second most popular movie is Halloween. And I think that makes sense too, because obviously it's called Halloween, but not as many people watch it, probably because it's scary, and people might avoid it for that reason. Two, speaking of Hocus Pocus, the popular Halloween movie, which actually there's two now, and I heard that they're making a third one too. Do we have thoughts on this? I, I didn't really like the second one. I don't know. I didn't love it. I didn't hate it, but I didn't love it. So if anyone has thoughts on that movie, let me know what you think. I don't really know how I feel about a third one. I do love the first one, so I get a little wary. But anyways, Hocus Pocus was originally supposed to be a scarier movie called Disney's Halloween House, and it was actually supposed to star Leonardo DiCaprio as the character of Max. So I'd love to know what that script was, and I guess Leonardo DiCaprio ended up turning the movie down to film What's Eating Gilbert Grape. 3. In 1962, right before Halloween, the number one song was Monster Mash. And then in 1973, it became number one again, but this time it was actually in August, which I thought was interesting because I feel like with the holidays now, we start celebrating them earlier and earlier. So 
It's interesting to know that even back in, you know, 1973, August was a time when people were getting ready for that Halloween state of mind (laughs) with the song The Monster Mash. Four. The U.S. spends over $10 billion for Halloween celebrations, and this includes costumes, candy, decorations, and again, it doesn't surprise me because I feel like this holiday is becoming more and more popular. You know, not that long ago, it wasn't really as popular to do so much with uh, decorations and things along those lines, but I would say it's definitely become a lot more popular now. Five, the top Halloween costumes for adults in 2022, number two, was a vampire, and number one, drumroll, was a witch. (laughs) And it seems like witch is often number one for adults as the most worn costume, and that doesn't surprise me because it's very easy to do a witch costume. You can literally just get a witch's hat and be a witch, you know? And as for kids, for this year, 2023, it looks like the most popular costumes are Super Mario and Barbie, and I definitely think that that makes sense. Six. The most popular Halloween candy is Reese's Cups, although I did see differing answers depending where I looked, but overall it looked like the general consensus was that Reese's Cups are the most popular Halloween candy. I did see Skittles was number one on another list. 7. 87% of Americans plan to celebrate Halloween this year, and 23% spend as much on Halloween decorations as they do for winter holidays. 8. Harry Houdini died on Halloween. A few days before he died, he had been punched in the stomach and his appendix was said to have ended up rupturing. This was something he often did. He would have people punch him in the stomach to show how strong he was. But at this time, he had actually just injured his ankle during a performance and he was sitting in a reclined position. And this person punched him very hard a couple of times. So he ended up getting really sick after that. He did actually have a final performance after this, but after it was over, he immediately collapsed, and then he ended up having surgery, getting the appendix removed, but unfortunately, he did end up dying, and that was on Halloween. Now, some people don't think that this is actually the cause of his death. Houdini was known to go around trying to basically out spiritualists at the time, mediums, things along those lines, And many said that spiritualists were known to poison those that, you know, were their enemies. So some people think that Houdini was actually poisoned. And at the time, he was not tested, I guess, for poison in his body after he had passed away. So it could be the case. I would love to do a whole episode on him in the future and spiritualism in general. So we can definitely dive into that deeper another time. Nine, Halloween is the second largest commercial holiday in the country. Can you guess what the first one is? (laughs) Did you guess? You're right. It's St. Patrick's Day. No, just kidding. Obviously, it's Christmas. Um, But Halloween is number two. I wonder if one day it'll be number one. I highly doubt that because obviously Christmas celebrations include buying gifts. But still, I do think that a lot more money is spent on Halloween today than it ever was. While I love Halloween, and again, it is my favorite holiday, I do think that there is a lot of pressure out there to buy decorations and all these things for Halloween, and sometimes that can just be a bit much, and while it is tempting (laughs) to do so, I do think that sometimes it would be nice if celebrations would be more about the holiday itself than all the things that you can buy for it, but that's just my thoughts, and I sit here saying that with many Halloween decorations <laughs> strewn about in my house, but I do try to limit myself quite a bit because it really the temptation, it's really there, you know? It's everywhere in stores as early as, what, like June? 
But yes, I do think it's a very fun holiday, and I'm happy I got to share this episode with you. So thank you so much for listening all about Halloween. I'll be posting some more Halloween stuff in my Instagram stories over the next few days, so make sure to join me over there. We're going to have some spooky fun. (laughs) At this point in future episodes, I would love to include some listener comments, theories, questions, or polls. Make sure to follow along on my social media if you would like to be included. Thank you for listening to Kind of Strange Podcast. Don't forget to follow along on social media at Kind of Strange PC on TikTok, Instagram, and Twitter. I would love it if you could rate this podcast and leave a review. All sources for this episode are listed on the Kind of Strange website. The link is provided in the show notes. Until next time, don't forget to keep a lookout for anything that might be a little weird, a bit odd, or kind of strange. strange.